The creators of this podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which it is recorded. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are the first storytellers of this land. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, as well as any Indigenous people who may be listening today. This podcast is a TOEFOP production. Head to TOEFOP.com for more. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated MA for mature audiences. It may contain sexual references, time travel references, allegations of bin misconduct, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that this episode is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who thinks a comedy conversation between two old mates sounds like a terrible idea for a show. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax, this is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello and thank you for watching. It's a, a scary uh, countdown now, Riverside are doing. They must have upgraded their system. Like they black... Before, like you'd, you'd say, you'd hit record and you get this sort of countdown number that appears across your screen. But you could still see the other person. <laughs> now it's a much more dramatic. They black the screen out and then count down. Um, I love that our, like the regular start to the show is now <laughs> commenting on something that none of the audience can ever witness. <laughs> like what a great, great, great podcast is this. Is. Nothing for no one. That's what this podcast is. Can I also say this? They must have upgraded because I've got a little uh, thing under where my you know, the feed normally records hmm. and it says echo cancellation. Yeah, I've never been offered. Yeah, I've never been offered the option to cancel echoes before. Are echoes a problem for us? Should we be cancelling echoes? Is this cancel culture gone mad? <laughs> oh, <laughs> even bloody echoes, mate. <laughs> even echoes, mate. Mate, I went to the bloody Grampians last week and I I went to, you know, I went, hello, 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 and they bloody cancelled me Echo. <laughs> SJW's gone crazy. No, or the Echo said something really un-PC back. I said, hello, 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 and it said, packy, 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 and they bloody cancelled it, mate, and Echo can't say anything these days. Well, speaking of being cancelled, Will, I feel like the TOEFOP listeners want to cancel me for my controversial opinions on Top Gun. Mm. Hot um, takes. Never have so many people hit me up to tell me that I got it wrong. And look, I freely really? admit that I probably did get it wrong. Like, I, it's not... I uh, I am... Not, I am not of the mainstream uh, uh, way at the moment. Like, I have... Uh, generally, I fit very you know, snugly into the mainstream, but this current phase of, of nostalgia and fan service is, has left me yeah. on the outer when it comes to a lot of pop culture discussions. Even Quentin Weirdly, Tarantino... I think because... We, you you used to quite like that stuff. I yes. think this podcast was based on the fact that both of us thought there wasn't enough fan service. You know, like a lot of the podcast was fan fiction, us extrapolating these multi-universes and what they would look like. And imagine if they made five Batman movies all at the same time. And now that it's happening, we hate it. Yeah. Are we the, so we're the guys who had a kink. We had a kink, but now the kink is so yeah. commonplace, it no longer gets no. us off. It's top trending. Yeah. It's what everyone else in your country is watching. That's our kink. Yeah. And now it's not my kink anymore. Like there's definitely Marvel things. Mm. Like I was a Marvel completist at some stage. Yeah. And now I don't think I've watched any of their TV stuff. I haven't watched Hawkeye. I haven't watched WandaVision. Is there something else? Oh, there's hate. I hear Winter Soldier. I hear, I hear Ms. Marvel is good. People tell me that that is quite good, but I have not watched that. Um, yeah, it's it's weird, isn't it? Like I I was th- I just listened to this really interesting podcast 
about the rise and fall of Harry Knowles and, and Ain't It Cool. You know, the kind of the, the website that basically, you know, launched sort of geek culture into the mainstream and was so powerful at one stage, like studios were you know, basing films that they would greenlight off the what the back of these, you know, very ardent um, vocal uh, fanboys online were mm. saying. And it's a really interesting podcast. And the way they frame it around is like, well, you know, the, the, the geeks didn't just inherit the earth. They, they took it over. Like the nerds did win yeah. in the end. And so now that is the prevalent popular culture is it's in the late 90s, all we were saying was like, we just want a decent comic book movie. We just want something that like feels like a comic book. And then they hit that formula and they're like, oh, that's what you want? You fat, disgusting pigs. That's what you want, piggies? Yeah, eat some more slop. Eat some more bloody comic book slop, you disgusting piggies. Then we gobbled yeah, it all up. And now- never watched animal farm and now the pigs are in charge yeah. right that's that's what's happened so i do feel like um you know i, I am part of the problem because i was one of those piggies uh, clamoring for more yeah. pop culture stuff but you know Absolutely. even like quentin tarantino i saw him he did a rare sort of public statement on another film where he said i really love the new top gun film and he even in a very tarantino-esque way uh nothing to do with feet but <laughs> Oh. <laughs> he commented. It was like I love the way they dangled their toes out of the planes. No, but he even he was saying the thing that he liked most about it was fan service. But he's such a film nerd. He said I loved yeah. it because it felt like a Tony Scott film. Like you know, Tony Scott was one of my favorite directors. He's not around anymore, and and this film felt as close to a Tony Scott film as you're ever going to get. So even in his kind of uh, area of what fan service is, it appealed. Um, but you know, the thing that. I kept sort of coming back to whenever, because a lot of people were hitting me up on, on Twitter and stuff saying, hey, man, you misunderstood the film. It's just meant to be a guilty pleasure. I get it. I understand it. I just did not enjoy the pleasure. Like, I have guilty pleasures. This is just not one of them. And the thing that I kept Doesn't coming get you back off to. anymore. Used to be your kink isn't your kink <laughs> it's anymore. It's not my kink anymore. I've moved on. I can't even get hard. <laughs> can't even see a comic book and it just makes me soft now. <laughs> no, it's, it, it, the thing I kept coming back to was just the dumbness of, why does Rooster, baby goose, dress exactly like his dead dad? Like, it's just the one thing I, mean, I can't get past. I've not seen it, but I don't think I could get past it now. I'm not sure I can certainly see it within the next six months. It's going to take me at least six months to shake off. The only thing I'll be thinking about for the entire film is there's a much more interesting film inside this film, which is this journey of this child who is so haunted by the memory of their father that they need to become their father and replicate their every move. And if that doesn't, if that movie doesn't end in him murdering Maverick, then you haven't made the right movie because <laughs> this is a movie about a psychopath, <laughs> like an absolute, you know, not his fault, but like one of those, a major event in your life changed your life forever and turned you into psychopathy. And he has you know pursued his entire life in this like talented Mr. Ripley-esque becoming his father so he can eventually infiltrate the Top Gun program and murder the man that he believes murdered his father. That's, I mean, that's a movie. Will. Anyway, we're back to <laughs> loving spinoffs. <laughs> There's another iconic movie character who idolised and dressed exactly like one of his parents. Do you know who that was? Um, idolised and dressed exactly like one of his parents. Famous, oh, um, the 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 dude from um, Silence of the Lambs. No, um, uh, no, Psycho. Norman Bates. <laughs> Norman, Bates Norman Bates also <laughs> idolised and dressed exactly like one of his parents. So you're right. Rooster should go on yeah. to be an like a psychopath. Now this is all a, a long-winded way of leading me to what I want to talk about uh. today, which is 
Fantastic. This is sent in by listener uh, Roy, who um, was one of the people who was annoyed by my uh, misreading or misinterpretation Mm -hmm. of Top Gun Maverick. Um, uh, Well, I'll let Roy explain it. And, and then we'll get into it. So uh, he says, hey, Tofop, I was listening to the latest pod while jogging and I was so frustrated listening to you discuss the idea of Goose's son and the new Maverick movie donning a Hawaiian shirt and aviators before his father's coffin was even in the ground. Yeah. You've completely neglected the idea of character development. So I've hurried home lest I fail the, to pen an obvious tale of Goose's son and his journey through life. There's no apologies uh-huh. for formatting. As your contact web form messed it all up, I had this formatted professionally to a professional standard before I pasted it in here. <laughs> okay. So what uh, Roy has done is he's laid out like a, uh, a hypothetical backstory for Rooster, yes. son of Goose, which explains in logical terms how this grown man, 35 years after the death of his father, mm-hmm. would dress like his dad, have the same party trick where he plays Great Balls of Fire like his dad, basically be like his dad. Now, the first thing I want to say is we're not critiquing Roy's writing because that's actually pretty good. But I, what I wouldn't no, mind so, doing is... Uh, he, he, well, can I just ask this question? Because, yeah. again, for the record, I have not seen Top, Top Gun Maverick. All I know is that uh, Goose's son is called Rooster <laughs> and Little Gooster. Not, little, not Gosling, as we pointed no, out, which makes more but sense. Little Gooster has based his entire life, it seems, from what you've told me, on the memory of his dead dad that he would not have known in any way. Yeah. He's only recreating it, not from his own memories, but from yeah. other people's recollections of what his dad was. Yeah, right? okay. And and minor spoiler, it's not, this is not a, a huge big deal, but there is a plot point in Top Gun Maverick where it is revealed part of the um, animosity that Rooster has towards Maverick is that uh, Maverick denied him entry into the Air Force. Like, you know, uh, didn't allow him to apply because he didn't want, you know, Goose's wife to lose a son as well as a husband. So held him back career-wise. That's a kind of little subplot that I think, you right. know. So, yeah, like I said, we're not criticising the writing. <laughs> so you it's, just it's, walked past the whole might have been responsible for the death of my dad and decided to make it an administrative issue. <laughs> no, that's, a good, that's a good twist in the plot. <laughs> it's both. It's both. <laughs> so um, what Roy has done uh, is basically um, come up with, uh-huh. What would be four flashbacks that you could have included in the okay. film if you wanted to pad out the yes. backstory of why Goose, A, has this animosity towards Maverick and B, dresses exactly like his dad. This could be uh-huh. a reason why. Okay. So I think we right. can go through each one of the flashbacks and then we'll, we'll comment. Okay. And uh, thank you, Roy, for sending this in. Uh, flashback one. Son of Goose and Maverick meet for the first time at the flying school and have a verbal altercation Maybe some shirt fronting. You cut to flashback one. So this is back to Goose's funeral, so back in the 80s. Okay. Goose's funeral, yeah. son of Goose as a child crying over his dad's coffin. He looks up and he sees Maverick standing away from the crowd. Son of Goose runs up to Maverick and he yells, You don't deserve to be here. You killed my daddy. And then Maverick's crying, I loved your dad more than you could know, kid. Um, but son of Goose cro- sobbing and beating Maverick's chest. Then why is he dead? Why? Why? Okay. I get that. That's fairly that, and that, and that reads with the conflict that that plays out in in the current film. Okay, any comments, Will? And then, and then Maverick turns to the kid and says, "I feel the need, the need to grieve." <laughs> and <they're> just, <laughs> um, I like it. 
I'm into it. Well, this, this to me is a fleshing out of the story. I get this. Like so, so far, so good yeah. from my perspective. Uh, and I, but I think that makes that that, that comes across mm. in the in the actual film. That that you know that, okay. that is the, the you don't the need main to see that point. scene. That's the implication. That's the implication. Okay. 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 Flashback number two. Son of Goose does not follow Maverick's mm. commands, risking the life of another pilot. Cut to flashback two. Son of now, Goose. Hang on. Just I'm sorry. I've, I've got to go back to flashback. Uh, one again now. Yeah. Is Mini Goose dressed like we see people dressed in American funerals? So he's like in a suit? Yeah, a little. Or is. We- isn't that weird how like a little American kids wear little suits? <laughs> like it doesn't happen yeah. in Australia. Like <laughs> no. at my dad's funeral, I had to wear my school uniform because I didn't have any right. fancy clothes to wear. Yeah. <laughs> but every American kid has a little suit. A, a little suit, apparently. I remember asking. Well, that's what my, movies has told us. I, I remember asking. Is, is there any chance that Baby Goose has already started to adopt his dad's dress sense. Oh, so Hawaiian is, shirt can, and mustache. Possi- yeah, can we possibly see a kid in a little Hawaiian shirt and a stick-on mustache as a tribute to his dad at the funeral? I reckon that there would probably be... I reckon this would be a real thing, that he probably has a like a little flight suit. Like, I imagine oh, yeah. fighter okay. pilots, in the same way that athletes, their kids yeah. wear their jerseys. Like, you know, he'd probably have a little of flight course. suit, don't you think? He would have. He, absolutely. Yeah, no, that makes a lot That makes a lot of sense. They sell, like, you know, souvenir ones at NASA, little spaceship yeah. suits, you know, for for your nieces and nephews, for your kids. Um, I assume there's a, there's a similar to their, their, you know, their flight suits. Yeah, okay, so he has a little flight suit. If He's wearing a little flight suit. If you're father though is an air force pilot and died you know while flying is it bad taste to wear a flight suit to the funeral Mm. i mean it's different to wearing a uniform like an air force uniform that makes what about he's wearing a flight suit and he's dragging a half-opened parachute (laughs) (laughs) i mean if you're gonna cosplay as your dead dad why not cosplay as the moment he died Oh my God. Like, where do you draw the line? That's kind of my part of my question: is where do you start and end this fetishization of your dad? You know. <laughs> uh, okay, so flashback two: Son of Goose okay, does not yes. follow Maverick's commands, risking the life of the pilot. So cut. To, so, so flashback two would be: Son of Goose is a teenager now. Mm-hmm. He's in his living room. With his mother, son of goose is wearing rebellious clothes, and this is my favourite yeah. bit. He writes in brackets: leather jacket, bandana, etc. Because that's what oh. all teenage rebels wear. Yeah, he's Axel Rose <laughs> yeah. now. Is that what we're saying? Well, let's 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 place it in a, a properly mm. in a proper timeline. So, if okay. Miles Teller's in his mid thirties, him as mm. a teenager would would have been what the nineties would have been. No, would have been like the two thousands. So, what's yeah. what's a rebellious teenager? Limp Bizkit. He's wearing a red baseball cap backwards. <laughs> oh he's got God, an oversized white tee. Maybe yeah. he's got short peroxide, <laughs> like M and M. He's got yeah. peroxide hair combed forward. Just massively into Alien Ant Farm. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so that's what Son of a Goose looks like in 2003. Um, he yells at his mum, I don't care what Dad would have wanted. I'm leaving school to become a mechanic. The mother's anguished. Your father worked so hard to make a good life for you. He saved up for you to go to college. Um, slow anger from a Baby Goose. Mm-hmm. If you just let me join the Air Force, I wouldn't be doing this. Um, uh, Goose's wife. I can't risk lo- losing you like you lost your father. Um and then uh, Baby Goose snaps back. I would be more careful about who I counted as my friends. 
Okay. All right. So good. Good stuff. You, that makes sense, right? That uh, yep. you know he's grown up fatherless, so he's a bit of a lost soul. Probably gets good grades, but mm. if he tried, he could get into any college he wanted. But what he really wants to do is go to the Air Force. But Meg Ryan, Meg Ryan doesn't want to lose her son. Yeah, and I think want to be it, Meg crying again. So here's what I will say: is I want it, whatever rebellious clothes he's wearing. Because when is there an explanation in what we're going to hear today in these four flashbacks of when he starts dressing like his dead dad? Because, like, if not, I want it to be as early as this. Like, <laughs> right? No. I'm not saying that he needs to be wearing a Hawaiian shirt and having a mustache in his teenage years. But what I want to see is you get some shot of him, like, in his bandana and his Limp biscuit white T-shirt. And then on the mantelpiece, you see a picture of like a young goose dressed in quite a similar outfit, right? Like, you know, so it's clear that he's already following in his footsteps. I think you're, you're, you're on the same page as Roy. You're getting there. You're getting right. there. Okay. Okay. So we get to flashback three, Will. Mm-hmm. So uh, Roy's written, son of goose is in the Air Force now. He's in the music hall. He's tapping away at piano keys. An ice man watches him from the door. So the thing to keep in mind, I'm not sure if I mentioned it last week, is by Top Gun Maverick. Iceman has ascended up the military ranks and is now like a commander or senator or something high up, something high up. Okay. I say, we cut to flashback three. It's a soundless scene of Iceman talking to Goose's wife. We cut to a bar where drunk son of Goose is sitting at the bar, piano music playing, and zoom to Iceman playing a slow version of Great Balls of Fire. Mm-hmm. This reminds son of Goose of his love of playing piano. And it reminds him of his time with his dad. Now, before we get to the dialogue that Roy's written, I don't recall Iceman taking part in the Great Balls of Fire or any sing-alongs. He didn't do that. You've lost that loving feeling. Like, Iceman's whole thing is he was kind of, like, standoffish, right? Like, he's Iceman. He doesn't sing. That's not cool. Iceman's cool. Yeah, no, it'd be weird if you watch the original movie back and Iceman's right right there at the piano tapping along. Just <laughs> <laughs> it really undermines the... I'm not uh, the Iceman tonight. I'm having a night off being the Iceman tonight. I'm the nice man. <laughs> um, okay, so they have some dialogue. So Iceman yes. says to Son of Goose, your mum's worried about you. Mm. <laughs> Son of Goose says, if that's all you're here to tell me, then you can fuck off. Which I think yeah, okay. Roy, maybe may a second pass on the dialogue, I think. Love it, though. Good placeholder. Uh, your mum's worried about you. If that's all you're here to tell me, then you can fuck off. Iceman, forlorn. It would have hurt your old man if you could see what you've become. Uh, son of Goose. Well, thanks to Maverick, I never have to worry about that. Iceman. <sighs> Look, no one hated Maverick more than me, but we all knew yep. what we were in for. Your dad was on the same adrenaline ride as all of us. It was just his time. It could have been any of us. Uh, someone stares with a disbelieving look. I'm not sure if that's Iceman or, or, or Goose. Mm-hmm. He hasn't specified. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Iceman says, I've seen you down the racetrack. I know you could be as good a pilot as your old man was. Maybe even better. He stares with a believing look. Inspirational music starts. Yeah. Son of Goose is now at home with a flight suit draped over his arm, mm-hmm. arguing with his mother about becoming a Navy pilot. Um, that to me, and again, this is not a criticism of Roy's writing, but more the justification of why Goose yes. can suddenly play Great Balls of Fire is not strong enough. <laughs> no, nah, no. Nah. I, I like the first two flashbacks, but this is... 
That's like saying, oh, you're here by yourself, are you, Han? I guess your last name's Solo. Yeah. No, thanks. It yeah. was better not to have that mystery solved. Yeah. This is not a satisfactory. This might, they might, at Disney, they'd be fine. They'd be like, yep, that'll do. We've solved that. People will tune in for that. Put Baby Yoda in it. But no, that's not enough that he's going to, if he's so traumatized by the death of his, see, what we're trying to unlock the mystery of, the mystery that I understand is, that young Goose is traumatised by the life of losing his father at such a young age. And I even understand the fact that that might result in him wanting to do that same job for a whole bunch of motivations. These ones are quite good ones. You could find other ones that are good ones, right? What I don't get is why he dresses exactly like his dad. (laughs) He looks exactly like his dad and he does all the things that his dad was most famous for, including... Because this is like a famous moment, not just from the movie, but I imagine from – because Goose's life ended. So when you're at Goose's funeral and everybody's like standing around talking about like the stories that they share and the great nights that they had with Goose, one of the things that is going to come up is absolutely that. Remember he get on the piano and he played Great Balls of – like that is one of those like iconic moments from his life. Mm. So this – like it, it's not just that – you know, Gusta wants to be a pilot. I get that. But the fact that Gusta literally wants to, like, dress like Goose, do Goose's... Just be yourself, man. Have your own yeah. song. I don't yeah. even care that you play the piano like your old man, but the idea that you're, like, literally <laughs> recreating all his greatest moments is where it gets... I like, mean, it crosses a line. I would have loved that in Top Gun Maverick if <laughs> Rooster had sat down and instead of no. playing Great Balls of Fire, he just starts bringing, like, Kelly's milkshake. My milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. Damn right. I'm t- I, it could be close, but it's like maybe we didn't start the fire by oh, Billy yeah. Joel, right? Oh, yeah. So he sits down and he does. Wrecking ball, Miley Cyrus. There's a ball in yeah. there. Right. Yeah, you're right. So, I mean, the thing about it, I, I, I think if you're going to include the Great Balls of Fire thing, a, mm. a wrong supporting character, Iceman would not be the guy to – be introducing mm-hmm. the, you know, the playing, even if he played a slow, melancholy version of Great Balls of Fire, I don't think it's enough of a strong enough link. It would need to be another character. It would almost need to be something like, I understand the dynamic he's set up with his mum is that they're fighting. Like, you know, the mum is just trying to protect him and he's just trying to, you know, he just wants to follow in the footsteps of his father and she's scared of losing him. But it almost needs a kind of thing, like a flashback where every year on goose's anniversary mum is like hey baby goose can you get on the piano yeah. and, and play, just, just play great, great balls, balls of fire. fire you know it makes yeah. your mum happy and it's like Ugh. it's a begrudging thing that he does but yeah then by and the t- like maybe even a scene early in the movie as an adult where like the song comes on and he like turns it off and they're like what's going on he goes i hate that song i can't yes. stand that song yes. you know right yeah so then when you eventually have him play the song there's been a journey to him getting to the song that he reluctantly accepts you know this moment in his life that he could that makes sense yeah that that to yeah. me you could follow along with and go oh yeah i understand what's going on here well, maybe there could be a scene where it's like um, someone's married their 13-year-old cousin and he's like, well, you know, Jerry Lee Lewis uh, also married his cousin when she was 13. He wrote the song Great Balls of Fire. It's a horrible thing, really, when you think about it. <laughs> I actually think that um, it'd be great if he made that point. He's like, this is actually just a terrible song. You can't play it anymore. He's been cancelled. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just, this is really inappropriate. I know it's a fond memory for you, but this is like... This is like, baby, it's cold outside. You yeah. really cannot play this song anymore. You're this not allowed the to enjoy it. Anthem of a groomer. 
<laughs> yeah, what would you like me to sing next? An R. Kelly? Do you want me to do some R. Kelly as well? Is that what you like? <laughs> uh, I think we're missing the most obvious thing we could have done here. Right. You, you stumbled onto it earlier when you were talking about Norman Bates and Psycho, which is they've missed an opportunity. Is Meg Ryan in this movie? No. Okay. So they've missed the opportunity of implying that the reason... Because what's the most obvious reason that a kid... Like, like dresses mother, like his dad because the, the mother, mother wants to be reminded it. of the dad and couldn't yeah. get over it. And so yeah. she's like warped his entire life by trying to make him into another version of like, you know, the, the, the person that she lost. And this idea that you have that he knows great balls of fire because his mum made him, him play, play <laughs> great balls of fire. <laughs> like this is now I'm in. Now I'm like this poor fucker, right? Yeah. There is, I think there is a film like that that is a horror film where it's like the father lost the mother and has raised the daughter to resemble his dead wife because he's so like heartbroken and 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 and, and in mourning and I think that is yeah. more what it would be. I mean it would have been a more interesting Well, you know in the you know in the Simpsons where um like uh, Maud Flanders dies and then Flanders has that uh, woman stay over and he cuts her hair yeah. so that it looks like Maud's hair. Like, there should be a scene like that where, like, uh, young Goose, he's got a, a rooster, he's got, like, a full beard, and then in the middle of the night, Meg Ryan comes in and shaves <laughs> it, so it's just a moustache. a moustache. <laughs> comes home, all these shirts have been replaced by Hawaiian, Hawaiian shirts. shirts. He's like, oh, I guess. <laughs> okay, so, uh, flashback uh, four. So, um, we're assuming so. Son of Goose has, has uh, joined the Air Force and has received an award for being the coolest pilot on the team. Cut to flashback four, and this is potentially the most important flashback for for your interest in in this story. Son of Goose walking into the family home, he hugs his mother. Son of Goose shows his mum his letter of offer to the Top Gun Academy. She says, "I'm sorry I held you back all those years. I was just so afraid of losing you, like mm. I did your father." He hugs wife, uh, hugs goose wife tighter. Mom, I shouldn't have given you such a hard time. I spent so long blaming Maverick. I forgot that dad was a grown man making his own life choices. Mm. He walks over to a cardboard box, which just happens to be there. Great. <laughs> awesome. Uh, as believable as the real Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> this a little scene. convenience box. A <laughs> yeah, little. It's a little box, box of convenience. <laughs> Uh, just uh, just a labelled plot device. <laughs> just Excuse me, Mum, could you pass me that plot device book? That box, just there, 400. Uh, uh, he says, you know, I never opened the box of your father's things they sent back from the academy. Mm. He opens a cardboard box and pulls out a picture of Goose, and she looks mm. longingly at it. You're so handsome, just as handsome as your father was. She yeah. pulls a Hawaiian shirt from the box. Even while wearing this shirt, they laugh. You know, this might just be back in style. Son of Goose pulls it on, now wearing his father's old shirt and his aviator sunglasses, uh. stands in the doorway as he slings the bag over his shoulder. He raises his hand to slightly tilt the glasses and looks at his mother over the top of the frames, gives her a smile and a wink before leaving. I mean, pretty great move from somebody who literally just made a speech about having to live your own life. <laughs> like, really not backing that up. But I... There's something in this, right? Like in this area of, but if the whole premise has been that she doesn't want to be reminded of like, you know, what happened to her husband, the idea of him then like putting on all her husband's stuff and walking out the door is not the best way to do that. But I get the point. At least there's like a storyline there. There's some sort of, you know. 
Here's, here's the thing. Like, I had a few people message me to say, hey, like, you know, uh, my brother, you know, dad always wore, like, the same flannels and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, my brother dresses the same as dad. And, okay, I get that. That's like, yeah. you know. But firstly, the thing you're describing is, is pretty generic, like, clothing. Like, the, 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 the goose look is, is a bit more specific. And, you know, my nephew, uh, when he came to visit, was wearing, like, his dad's old Eagles, like, polo, you know, shirt. Because it's... It's kind of the hipster thing to do, right? Like you just sort of reappropriate that kind of old middle, middle-aged man kind of like uh, uh, fashion for yourself. So I understand all of that. The thing about the way it's done in Maverick is he is he is his father. He doesn't just dress like his father. No. He behaves like his father. He looks like his father. He has the same party tricks as his father. Mm. I think we're talking about a universe in which Maverick has not grown up. Maverick rides a motorbike to work the same way he did 37 years ago. He has the same fucking leather jacket. I mean, he pretty much looks exactly the same. So I guess in the in the, in the the Maverickiverse, the Top Gunniverse, that if this is just a universe in which people do not progress or change over the course of almost 40 years, then sure, that makes complete sense. If that's what my suspension of disbelief had to be, is like... That in this universe, people find their thing and they just stick to it. And if they can't stick to it, they find the thing that worked for their parent and they stick to that. <laughs> I mean, I yes, I, I, I get the idea of fan service. I think it's creepy that what you're saying is like, I think there's some reality in this they absolutely could have played with. And there could have been justifications for each of those things. But the fact that they've just made him do every single thing that his dad did in the first movie, bar having sex with Meg Ryan, probably why Meg Ryan said no to the movie. They said, look, there's this one scene. People loved it. Your son is going to turn to you and you're going to say, baby goose, take me to bed now or lose me forever. So what do you think, though, like... In this podcast, I was listening to The Rise and Fall of Ain't It Cool. They were, one of the guys they were interviewing was saying the issue that Hollywood faces at the moment is that by saying, okay, we are only going to make existing IP and then reboot it, is the stories have all been done. Like every great comic book storyline will be done in 20 years or even less. You know, it's probably almost done now. And now we're just going to keep repeating it. So do you think that we'll just burn it we as in like society we will just burn out this kind of obsession or do we just keep does it just keep recycling we just keep rebooting with newer and younger actors until we're all just like the dumbest people on, like until it's idiocracy <laughs> until we're all just paying money to go see an, a giant ass on screen for three hours you would hope that there's some sort of response to it that these things come in waves and there's a point where it becomes so saturated that finally people say no more, like, and they look for something different. They look for something that isn't the prevailing norm. Like this, like there's got to be a time where fan service eats itself also, right? Yeah. Where there's been so much fan service. Like if you're making a Stranger Things, it's not like in like 10 years you can make something that is a fan service to Stranger Things. Stranger Mm. Things was already such a fan service to its influences that you couldn't, well, the problem is, like, you can fa- you can do another you do another series of Stranger Things where it's the '90s and then it's the mm. '2000s. The issue is when you get to like 2010 because yeah. that's when we started fan servicing. Yeah, <laughs> so right. like we can't we can't fan service 2010 because we'll fan in 2010 we'll fan servicing 1980. <laughs> so right. whatever, so whatever do we have to was. go back to 1980 or do we have to do a thing that's set in 2010 but they're fan servicing 1980? 
I mean, and I, now we're I in went, a loop. All our lives are loops, Charlie, and I don't think that just because I'm back on board on Westworld. I went and saw um, Jordan Peele's new film last night. Uh, oh, yeah. What did you think? I really enjoyed it. I really, oh, yeah. really okay. liked it. It's been getting mixed reviews. In the same way that I did not like Maverick because I think it just delivered everything that, you know, it, it, everyone seems to love at the moment. It's like Nope tries to do the complete opposite. Like it's it's a definitely like a like a tentpole film and it's trying to be you know a spectacle movie. But I think Jordan Peele makes a deliberate attempt to give you something that you haven't seen before. Like he's trying to subvert kind of expectations and stuff. And I loved it. Like coming off the back of Top Gun Maverick, where I felt like everything was so spoon fed and like God, like stop telling stop like you, seeing Top Gun Maverick is like having someone sitting next to you elbowing you in the rib saying hey do you remember this bit hey do you remember this bit hey remember that remember this you know when he says that remember this whereas Nope is more like hey we're just gonna throw a bunch of shit on the screen and we're not gonna explain it and you try and work out what we're saying or what it is and we're not even really gonna tell you what the the end of the film is but there's gonna be no there's gonna be no exposition there's gonna be no moment where someone comes out and says well this is you know, this is what's been going on the whole time you just work it out there's some metaphor and symbolism and stuff so I loved it like but then is that I'm, how they came up with the movie where they were pitching it and the studio heads like so what's the uh, ending of the movie is it gonna have an ending no uh, is it going to have a, like a plot that everyone can follow? No. Is it going to have any popular superhero IP that we already own? No. Well, this is just going to sound like uh, I'm the biggest, you know, bleeding heart lefty SJW. But the fact of the matter is there was no lead character that was like a straight white man. Like, you okay. know. The two lead characters are African and How will I relate to it, though, then? How can I actually go and see this movie and relate to it if there's not, like, a straight white man in it? It's was, But it's just, like, thank God, like, that you're seeing uh, stories and perspectives on, like, a mainstream movie from a different point of view. And then, like, even um, someone was saying to me last week, because I was talking about how great Prey was, and it's like, oh, yeah, did you know that there's, like, five films that are all, like, about indigenous cultures that are, like, the top five films in the world right now? And then... You know, uh, Squid Game was last year's biggest TV show. And it's like, oh, well, I guess that is the reaction to the fan service we've been talking about. There is kind of like an alternative being offered up, but maybe it's just not, it hasn't sort of like captured, well, maybe Squid Game was a bit of a phenomenon, but hasn't sort of infiltrated as widely as like Marvel or something like that. Well, what we might be seeing is that the Hollywood, you know, version like, you know, the culturally imperialist Hollywood version of what movies and entertainment are, you know, now that the barriers are down, particularly with streaming services and us being able to... Like, I saw... Um, I haven't, I've only watched about the first 15 minutes, but it's a, um, a Bollywood film called RRR. Oh, yeah, Have you heard, heard of this? this? Yeah, yeah, it's meant to be amazing. Oh, my God. Someone sent me just a link. I don't know if it's available yet, whether it's at the movies or whether it's on streamers yet. I haven't had a chance. Just a friend of mine was like, just watch this 15 minutes and tell me you don't want to see this movie and I watched the 15 minutes and I was like that 15 minutes is better than most movies that I have seen recently it was so entertaining it's like this I mean I, I don't even know like it's singing and dancing but also like an action sort of superhero Marvel like I mean I don't I, I honestly I don't really know what the the movie is I only saw like a little bit of it but it looks fucking amazing and I think mm. that you're right it is 
that's where you're going to see it. You're going to see it coming out of like South Korea, or you're going to see it. People, you know, obviously the Scandinavian, you know, murder dramas and those sort of things have been big for a while, and the internationalization of what. Yeah. There was that bank heist uh, show that was very popular. That was I, I I I didn't see, but everybody seemed to love. And um, again, you know, different sort of art from different countries. So maybe what you'll see is Hollywood becomes McDonald's. You know, it's your big. You know, that's what that's going to be. But maybe the rest of the world's going to provide what well, you're that, talking about. That toxic fanboy culture, which has said you can't have you know black stormtroopers and you know you can't have girl superheroes and how's an indigenous Native American girl going to take down a predator when you know an army of commandos couldn't do it? Forgetting that it's all made up, <laughs> none of it really happened. But if that is like if you're going to follow that logic to uh, to its end, then okay, sure. You don't want us to be in that genre. We'll just go make our own films, and those films will do well because there'll be an appetite for them. Because, uh, like after I watched Prey, I did go to see what people were saying online, and that amongst that kind of you know rusted on old school fanboy comic book nerd, it was like, oh god, like they're forcing this political correctness down our throat. And it's like I don't understand, like <laughs> your protection of these characters in this franchise. <laughs> You know, it's the same way when Fury Road came out and people were like, oh, God, like Max is this bumbling idiot. And it's like they're just using the they're just changing the character in the same way, like in comic books, a different artist and a different writer comes in and they're like, oh, let's take this character and we'll turn it into a, a different genre. Like, isn't that what you want? Like, you, otherwise, you are just getting fucking Top Gun Maverick. It's the same fucking story again and again and again. So maybe that's what we've done is we've, well, what we, when I say we, I'm talking about the collective. We've <laughs> opened up a pathway now for it's like, okay, you're going to shut us out of genre. You're going to shut us out of comic books. We're just going to make our own thing. And then they'll come. The audience will come, which seems to be happening, which is good. Yeah. Well, the thing about like Fury Road, if you talk about, that's not a character stuck in time. You talk about Top Gun Maverick as being all these characters that are clearly stuck in this period of time. Whereas like, like Max in Fury Road, he's not a bumbling idiot. Like I know people like, you know, made that criticism, but he's clearly got severe PTSD, which is like (laughs) what that character would have from, like experiencing what that character had in the universe that you've created. Like he, of course he would be, his nerves Mm. would be completely frayed and shot to hell on every level. And, you know, he just survives constantly is just looking for a way to move on and survive. So it's just that that character had moved on that people got mad about. But I think that, I mean, like you said, Jordan Peele, George Miller, there's going to be, you know, movie makers within the system, Christopher Nolan probably to a certain extent, who can still take all those big Hollywood tropes and, you know, capacities to make those movies and do something interesting with them. But you're also just going to see a lot of, like, really big, you know, I mean, essentially theme park rides that yeah. are masquerading as movies. Yeah, well, I guess, I guess that'll be the, the twin streams, won't it, is you'll, you'll have... Like people, it's in the same way that when reality TV started, everyone's like, oh God, like I can't wait for reality to die. And, you know, dry. no, that's not going to happen. Like no, it's its own genre now. It's, it's created its happen. own stream. It's well, a like, monster. <laughs> that's the, that's what it is now. So there will always yeah. be like Marvel movies and, and existing IP and stuff. But I guess it's like, it's no longer exciting to me because I feel like whatever was it, whatever had not been done has been done now. 
And it's also like with the rise of visual effects as well, it's like we've seen everything. Mm. We've seen, you know, the world blow up. We've seen it freeze, you know. There's, there's, it's, it's not like oh, I'd love to see this on camera because we, we've done yeah. it. So You've now se- we have to go. You've seen someone fly realistically, like in yeah. a way that looks like a superhero. You're like, well, what else is there? I mean, I've seen I fucking know, like, deep fakes of Keanu Reeves and, you know, Tom Cruise doing karaoke and shit. Like, I right. mean, I'll believe anything. <laughs> <laughs> like... So now it has to come back to story. And I think what I'm realizing, it's like, I just, and I'm not, and I am by no means like an art house snob or anything like that. But just the fact that when I was watching Nope, I was like, I don't know where this is going. And I love Mm. it. Like I I could sense in the cinema around me and I did check the Rotten Tomatoes scores, which I think is always like a good, like I think Nope has like 80 something, 85% critics and then like 68% audience, which I think is a good sign because Fury Road was like 95% critic and like 50% audience. And like, well, that's good. That's, that's, that's a bit of Charlie. That's a little bit of Charlie if you're right there, because I think that the, uh, the amount of times I've listened to people uh, especially with Fury Road, I'd sit on on discussions or hear people talking about it where they're just like, it's just a, nothing happens. Like, there's, you know, it's just, there's no dialogue. They just drive from one place to the next. I'm like, yeah. if that is your deeper reading of the text, and that's fine. Like, I get it. It didn't appeal to you. You want Top I mean, Gun technically, <laughs> that is what they did. You yes. are right. They yes. did indeed drive from one place to another and then actually back to the place that they came from in the first place. That is actually technically, I guess, if you're only looking at a Google Maps version of the movie, that is what happened. I'm reading a, uh, there's a book, I think it's called Blood, Sweat and Chrome, which is just like a collection of, um, it's the oral history of the making of Fury Road and about halfway Uh through it. So they interview everyone and it's amazing like how many times they tried to get this movie up and how many times it fell over. But, just the way that the unconventional way in which they put it together, like obviously everyone knows it was not scripted, it was storyboarded to begin with. But after they'd storyboarded and they were like, okay, well, we need to start building these vehicles in this world. So they started reaching out to like any artists that they could find online who uh, worked with like um, reappropriating things like sculptors and stuff like that. And so there's this one guy they're interviewing who was this like, um, you know, sculptor who lived in Brooklyn. And he said, I just got this like phone call one day from some producer in Australia saying, hey, man, like we're working on a new Mad Max film. Can we fly you out to Australia for six months and you can just build stuff? And he's like, it was the best fucking gig of my entire life. <laughs> he's like, I was just in a warehouse. You'd go into this warehouse, it'd be like 50 mm. mechanics, 30 sculptors, and we're all just going out to junkyards every day and coming back and like, how can we turn these like five things into like a car or like, you know, the, the canopy of a roof? And it's like, that, I mean, to me, that sounds like the greatest creative experience ever yeah yeah but there must have been somebody in a studio who was like you know we can just green screen all this shit yeah. right like well they did they talked about that i mean there's hilarious stories about the the doug mitchell is george miller's producer and his number one talent it seems to be uh like George wants to do one thing and, and Doug would just go to Warner Brothers and say, yeah, we're going to do it and then just not do it. And so like Warner Brothers like, we can't spend this much. We have to do it on the green screen. So Warner Brothers wanted to shoot Fury Road on like a length of runway in an abandoned airport just with green screens. And so while like Doug Miller was agreeing, uh, Doug Mitchell was agreeing to that, he was at the same time loading all the cars onto a ship and sending them to Africa. And so Warner Brothers just calling the go, we just got an invoice for $2 million from some freight company. Did you send all the vehicles to Africa? And he's like, oh, yeah, geez, I guess we have. Well, what are we going to do? I guess we better shoot I mean, the film in, the boat to Africa in Africa. Now, so. <laughs> 
be a pity to not go to Africa to shoot this film, I suppose. I, I learned this at a very young age, so I probably told this story before, but... Um, uh, on the podcast but when I was doing the high school play I wrote this like high school play and it had to be submitted to our teachers for approval and yeah. there was a whole bunch of jokes about the teachers and stuff in it and so they all got edited out I got this like redacted style document back and I had a choice at that moment where I was like you know what like if I, ta- I can take these jokes out and write other jokes or I could just not tell the cast that I've been told to take these jokes out and just do it on the day and hope it goes well enough that <laughs> nobody worries about it later, which it did. But then, of course, the second year, they're like, hang on, we're on to you. We know that you're not going to take the jokes out. So I just didn't even put the jokes in when I gave them a script. I just gave them a <laughs> dummy script that didn't have any of the stuff in it and still made the cast. And again, worked both times. Learned a very, I could be a producer, I think, for George yeah. Miller. Yeah, yeah, it's better to uh, beg for forgiveness than ask permission, isn't it? That's the saying, right? Um, All right, let's get to some mail and then uh, we'll get out of here. So this is uh, coming from Jess. Uh, So I'm not usually the type of person who writes unsolicited messages to people I don't know. But I was at your show, Will, at the Comedy Store tonight, and I just want to say thank you for what was a huge cathartic laugh. You're amazing, and it was great to see what you do live again. I'm also a performer, and I'm a dancer. I was at Adelaide Fringe in 2020 when everyone's future work was cancelled in the space of a few days. It was such a surreal and affecting experience. Who are you when you can't do the only productive thing you know how to do? Uh, I did teach myself how to crochet, but I'm not sure if that's productive. Anyway... I listen to a lot of philosophy and tofops, and listening to you wrestling with the same questions with your guests and friends made my feelings feel valid instead of floating in an exaggerated isolation bubble. I guess what I'm wanting to say is a huge thank you for sharing so honestly, because it was one of those things that kept me going in a vacuum. I'm now back working and touring, and I feel like I'm doing it better than I ever have. Maybe it's just a feeling of gratitude to be back home and appreciating every moment. Maybe this pandemic has taught us some things. Maybe the pandemic was inside us all along. Maybe the real pandemic was the friends we made along the way. Uh, Can can I say uh, this um, about the shows? Thanks to everyone who came out to Sydney Comedy Store, but also thank you to everyone who came out last Sunday to uh, the Athenaeum Theatre for the final ever performance of We're Logical. We did uh, record it, um, so a version of that show will be... Um, able to be seen probably on Australian TV before the end of the year. It won't be the entire thing because I don't think anyone's going to buy – it was a kind of 70, 75-minute show and normally they want them to be 60 minutes. So um, it won't be the whole thing, but at some stage – uh, I imagine my routine about why Joe Rogan won't suck his own dick will probably be the first thing that will go, sadly, because uh, it was such a fun routine. But uh, um, but anyway, I really wanted to thank everyone who came out and made it such an incredibly – Great night, and I want to do a shout-out to Ben Lomas, who stepped in at the last moment because Justin was going to do support, but he had a cough and an indeterminate test, so we did the right thing. And um, Ben Lomas from the uh, Fitbit pod, very funny comedian, Ben Lomas, and he did a really, really great job. And just I wanted to thank Ben for stepping in at the last moment and absolutely nailing it. So thank you to everyone who came out and saw the show. It was I was really happy with the final one, and I'll be happy for people to see it. Speaking of like fan service, like you have the opportunity if you wanted to do like a fan service tour, like where you just come out as Will Anderson from yeah. 2002, like thongs, nail polish, uh-huh. red tips in your hair, 
uh, doing bits about John Howard. Like, yeah. have you ever thought about, like, you know, like not, a, not, a will? Not until this moment, but now it's all I can think about. <laughs> like, absolutely. Like, even just doing at different eras of your life. Because yeah. I had to do that ABC, the ABCs of, you can still find that on ABC iView if you haven't seen it. It's a interview that uh, David Wenham did with me. And the premise is that they tell the story of your life through your appearances on the ABC. So, you know, in half an hour, you really see your life, or at least your media life flash before your eyes. And because I've worked consistently at the ABC for that entire time period, they have a lot of footage of, you know, the different stages of me. And I was like, oh, yeah, I did have a whole bunch of different looks that I was trying out there for a while until I settled <laughs> into just, like, plain basic black. And, yeah, the idea of going back and performing material from those years, maybe, like, 30 years of the Melbourne Comedy Festival, I should do a show that has, like, a series of quick changes. So, like, I do yeah. a five-minute routine, rush off stage, they play a little something in between, and I come back as me from the next era. Like, like I've got a long hair wig early on. There was a really during the pandemic. One of the I think is it a WrestleMania. They had to do like a like a show without a crowd. One of the WrestleManias, uh-huh. which is really weird. Like wrestling without a crowd is a strange concept. But it was John Cena fighting Bray Wyatt, and Bray Wyatt's whole kind of um, heel shtick at that time was you know he would get inside your head. He was like you know this, and it was a really interesting thing where he was torturing John Cena by. Um, going through John Cena's entire career. And it was that exact thing. It was all the identities of John Cena, like going through, like, you know, he started off as the as the prototype and then the doctor of thugonomics through to the kind of respect, loyalty, <laughs> hustle. And it was really, really clever. But yeah, you, you, could, you could definitely do that. Uh, this is from Edward. Uh, after hearing all the hate that Charlie has been getting with two people saying they thought he was a dick to begin with, I'd like to cut him some slack by saying when I first started listening, I thought Will was a dick and not Charlie. That doesn't of course, help. It does. It helps me a little bit. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, if it helps you, then I'm fine with it. <laughs> of course, this has changed, and Tofop is the favourite part of my week. I have listened to the biggest horse in all of Norway many, many times. Uh, thank you, Edward. I, look, you don't need to take Will down to make me feel better, but I'm glad you did. I mean, <laughs> did if, it, if it makes you feel better, then I'm happy to be taken down. Uh, this is from James. Hey, Will and Charlie, thanks for normalizing therapy. Uh, I'm going now, and it's really great, and so everyone should go. I hope you both well. Cheers, James. Oh, that's good, man. I'm glad to hear it. I'm, I'm two weeks into my, well, two sessions into my new therapy. Um, although in doing that catch up and explaining what I do, she was like, oh, should I listen to the podcast? I'm like, no. <laughs> like, no. I think that maybe you'll have more questions for me. Although that would be podcast. an interesting experiment is like, you know what? Listen to the podcast, put together a profile <laughs> <laughs> and then talk to me in person, see how it compares. Uh, Andrew's written in saying, hey, uh, guys, you boys have an interesting history with that other podcast at the top of the Australian comedy charts. It's no secret that you stole and transformed Multimedia Mike. But now in the latest episode of Hamish and Andy, Adam Spencer featured as the what? resident brain of the show. No, Maybe on. Hamish and Andy getting back at you. Is this disloyalty uh-huh. from Spence? What's the next step? Hey, Mike, are you there? Yes. Hello, Mike. Is this true? Did you guys poach Spence from us? I feel like Adam Spencer is a prolific podcast contributor because he, he's contributed several times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> I'm worried about Adam. He's got too much time to listen to podcasts. 
I mean, we don't like. Here's the, the the thing we know about Adam is that like. Firstly, he probably, you know, like, you know, he's traveling a bit, he's exercising, you know, he's got some time to listen to podcasts, but also like all respect to the good folks at Hamish and Andy, and we know what things are like here at Tofop HQ, <laughs> you know, it must be fun for him just to listen into some idiots try to work things out, you know, like that's, that's what I think the major appeal for, and there must be like a different level of how he enjoys podcasts. Like he gets the level that we're trying to entertain people on, but he also gets the amusement of going like, you know, when he, when we launch into trying to give a scientific explanation to something or do some maths, he must just like go, Oh, I've just got to sit down and really enjoy this. All right. Final bit of mail, uh, is from a will who's, uh, specified not to use his okay. last name. Anderson. Hey, Tofop, here's another tantalizing Tofop tidbit. Will, W-I-L, has been causing me grief for 20 years. I'll explain. You see, I too am a Will, W-I-L, but I'm also a Will, W-I-L-L. To take a step down memory lane, as a little William, I was often called Willie, not a great name for the schoolyard. No. So after noticing a high school teacher used to write my name Will with one L when they gave me grades or feedback, I thought, you know what? They might be onto something. Since then... I have used both spellings depending on the circumstances and whom I'm speaking with. Signing my name or sending personal communications, it's Will with one L. However, people generally assume Will is spelt with two L's and I'm often introduced that way in work emails and I found it easier to take the path of least resistance. So if someone spells my name with two L's, I don't mind. But this has come at a cost. Many of my friends over the years have insisted you're not really a Will, W-I-L, or you're copying Will Anderson. Too often, I get responses from them to things I would say along the lines of, all right, 1L, but what does Will Anderson think about it? <laughs> so for 20 years, this particular group of friends has taken delight in this, convinced that they will one day have me admit that I'm stealing Will's name. As a result of this, I've been particularly conscious of not stoking the flames. So any mention by me of Will or any of his shows has been limited. A podcast, any podcast recommendations yeah. by me to that group have strictly excluded TOEFOP as a result. Yeah. So this has got me thinking. If you want to increase your listener and Patreon numbers, could Will change his name to Will Double L for an episode, maybe with some Fosdyke graphics to really sell it? If so, I am confident I can get you a few extra <laughs> listeners and Patreon subscribers. And at the very least, it would let me gaslight them all for once, suggesting that Will 2 is Flexawill. Oh, there you go. Get your name for next year's show. Well, firstly, here's what I will say. Like, professionally, I'm not Flexawill, but, like, in my real life, I am Flexawill. And because, like, I get Will with two hours all the time. I don't I don't care. I could not give a shit. Like, I only give a shit professionally for comedy reasons. The rest of my life, I couldn't give a shit. The other day, like... I was getting a coffee and they were asking for my name and I had my mask on and the woman couldn't hear me. Um, By the way, I was on the Gold Coast. Jeez. Like, that was the first time I've ever really got the feeling of like, like literally people were going, why are you still wearing a mask? And I was like, just coming up to me. Like, I was a curiosity. Like, you've heard it's all over, right? It's fine. Um, So anyway, um, yeah, I got, she asked me for my name and I said my name and she repeated back a name that was definitely not my name. And I said my name again. And she repeated back a name that was definitely not my name. And I nodded my head. And it turns out my name is Neil. <laughs> I am fine. I don't care. <laughs> I couldn't give a shit. <laughs> uh, you'd be a good Neil. Yeah, I'd Neil be Anderson. Neil. So uh, 
to Will one yeah. L's uh, question, would you be willing to change your name for one episode? Uh, it's not changing it, my name. They're both abbreviations of my name. My name is William. So like, you can literally right. call me Will with one L, Will with two Ls. You can call me Willie. You can we'll call me Willie A. Like, I mean, they're all there. You can use any of those letters that you want to use. All right. Well, we'll yeah. leave it in the in the hands of Fuzzdike. Fuzz, if uh, you want to get us some more Patreon yeah. subscribers, then uh, for one episode, he's Will yeah. with two L's. He's Flexa Will. Flexa Will. <laughs> Maybe with two I'm L's. I don't care. Uh, and speaking of Patreon, if you want to support the show, uh, you may have noticed we have a, a dearth, a lack of sponsors this year. So Patreon has been the number yes. one way um, we fund this show. And when I say fund the show, I mean mainly pay Podcast mm-hmm. Mike and Foz to do their work. So uh, it's not just a one-way street. You go to Patreon, you get a bunch of bonus content. Every fortnight, there's a new bonus episode going up there, plus a heap of James Fosdyke's amazing artwork, comic strips, artwork, behind-the-scenes photographs. I think there's like four or five years' worth of archive material, so it's really worth worth joining um you can go to tofop.com check out our other great podcast this week speaking of movies um i have a guy davis back on the show we are talking about our favorite character actors who specialize in sleaze balls and scumbags which is great. a really fun chat uh so that's fofop this week and two guys one cup on the listener app every wednesday it's getting close to finals the saints are fucking done and dusted the dogs are still alive and the bulldogs were one <laughs> kick away from being done and dusted last night so at least one of us will have some enthusiasm for the rest of the season. I actually for one more week. What, for maybe more. for one more week. <laughs> I think. I actually, you know what though, and this is such a loser talk. I feel so relieved now that's over that the pain. Like we have been in a slow death spiral for fucking like eleven weeks, and it's done. It's done. I, I don't have to worry anymore. I. I mean, I know this is not our footy podcast, but like I watched my team play, and I was like. When, so when it looked like we were going to get eliminated last night, yeah. I, was, I was a bit happy as well. I was yeah. like, that's what we deserve. We're not good enough to play in the finals. That's what you this get. This is actually a nicer way. This, yeah, and then we didn't get it. <laughs> All right. That's Typhop for this week. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. This podcast is a TOEFOP production. Head to TOEFOP.com for more. Cool things for cool people.